Greetings and welcome. You're listening to the Genesis Podcast, the official podcast of the Genesis Community Church in Upland, California. It is our goal to inspire one another to change the world by effectively living in the way of Jesus. Check out our website, thegenesisstory.com. There, you can learn more about us, where and when we meet, ways to invest and support, but most importantly, how to get connected. Thank you for spending time with us today. Good morning, everybody. I want to say uh, thank you for everyone, uh, to everyone for being here, for tuning in, and uh, for supporting Genesis. We appreciate you all. You can help us uh, keep the lights on and the live stream live, <laughs> and um, you can help support the work and mission of Genesis, and you can do that in several ways. There's a slide for that, I think. There it is. And uh, I'm going to try to hold this together. Um, I, uh, I wanted to read Sam's post uh, from Instagram yesterday. Sam actually asked me to speak a couple of weeks ago because uh, Green had surgery this week and um, he knew he would need to be with her. And so I had something completely completely different to share. I was looking forward to stirring up some controversy and and talking about atonement theory and salvation. But we're not going to do that. Um, If you're connected to Sam on social media, you might have already seen this post. Um, But if not, I'll read it for you. He says, I don't really know how to say this as I'm still struggling to accept it. On Wednesday, February 28th, our son Samuel passed away. We have told our family and some friends, and we wanted to tell the rest of you who know us and who knew Samuel as well. Because our son died out of state, we are needing to make arrangements to bring him back so that we can have a funeral for him here in California, which is going to take some time. We truly appreciate your prayers, kind words, offers to help. While we may not be able to get back to everyone, please know that your kindness brings us so much comfort. We have plenty of food right now, and they're surrounded by our family. Thank you for all the love and support. And he signs it, Sam, Kareen, Jordan, Daniel, and Lauren. So today I'm, I'm going to be brief. And um, I want to talk about clinging to hope. And I want to spend some time with you all in prayer for the Scotty family. Sound good? In 2014... Pope Francis traveled through Asia, and he was taken by a weeping 12-year-old girl who, when it was her turn to talk, she asked him, the Pope, why God lets bad things happen to innocent children. Her name was Glazelle Palomar, and in where she lived, so many people had suffered through a devastating typhoon the year before. She said, why did God let this happen to us? She said, cupping her face in her hands, not even able to look at him, and she was sobbing. And she said, there are so many children neglected by their own parents. 
There are also so many who became victims, and terrible things happened to them, like drugs or prostitution. Why is God, why is God allowing such things to happen, even if it was not the fault of the children? And why are there so very few people helping us? How's that for a question? Why do bad things happen to good people? And you might have heard some really bad answers to that question before. But to his credit, the Pope didn't offer one of those, it's God's will, or God has a plan, or they're in a better place, or we all have a cross to bear. You know the ones. Instead, he applauded her courage for asking such a good question. And he told the crowd that she had asked the only question without an answer. Why do children suffer? Francis asked. He said, the great answer we can all give is to learn to weep. And he pointed to the example of Jesus in the Gospels. He wept for his dear friend. He wept in his heart for that family that lost their daughter. He wept in his heart when he saw that mother, a poor widow, taking her son to be buried. He was moved, and he wept in his heart when he saw the multitudes like sheep without a shepherd. Paul writes in Romans twelve fifteen that very famous verse where he says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And in Romans 5, 3 through 5, he writes this. And not only that, and he's talking about, he says, we're going we're gonna to rejoice in the glory of God. But not only that, we're also going to boast in our afflictions because we know that our affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Father, as we come before you today into your presence in this place, as your family, as your children, we come with heavy hearts. We come with maybe questions and disappointment and unspeakable sadness. And we put it at your feet, Lord, and we ask that you would help us. Will you just help us? That's all we can ask. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Nadia Bowles-Weber, I don't know if you know who she is. She's, she's, a, she's a funny lady, a pretty controversial pastor. Um, she tells a story from when her... Uh, her church plant was still new and budding, and she said that at twice a year they would have this welcome dinner where new people were allowed to come and old people were allowed to come too. And she said they would go around the room and they would talk about either what attracted them to come to this congregation, which she would always call the congregation of misfits, or what kept them coming back. And she said, I always waited to be the last one to speak. And then she said, whenever I spoke at the last of these welcome meetings, I said um, her words, this church will disappoint you. Or I will fail to meet your expectations. Or I'll say something stupid and hurt your feelings. It's not a matter of if, it's when. 
welcome to house for all sinners and saints. That was the name of the church. She said, we will disappoint you. It's quite a slogan. (laughs) But it's honest. And how many of us can relate to being let down or disappointed? Maybe by a church family or somebody that we know and love. But you know what I find crazy hard to relate to? Romans 5, verse 5, where it says, this hope will not disappoint us. Because when I read that, I can't help but think of the times that I've had hope for something, prayed for something, believed for something, and in the end I was disappointed. Hope that will not disappoint I find that hard to relate to. And then when I think about this verse in Romans 5, I I think that maybe I'm hoping wrong, or maybe I'm faithing wrong. One of the saddest insights I have as a dad, as a father, was when I realized that my sons were getting really good at dealing with disappointment because I didn't want that for them. And I, when I'd see it in their hearts, like, oh, we're not, this isn't going to happen for us the way we expected. And then they were okay with that. And I started to think, no, I don't want you to be okay with that. I want you to hope and not expect it to be let down. Not Bella. <laughs> she does not take letdowns easily. But the boys have had to deal with some stuff in their lives that she hasn't, including a divorce, move across the country, new schools. They've dealt with it a lot. In this verse, one of the things, you know, you might, you might side-eye me and say, what is Paul trying to sell here? He's connecting suffering, affliction, to hope. And I don't know that I see that connection. So what is Paul saying? He says, we rejoice in our suffering. (laughs) Really? I don't know. That That seems hard to buy. He says, we rejoice in our suffering because it produces patience, which builds our character. And it is our character, he says, that produces hope. Hope that doesn't disappoint. Am I the only one? Have you hoped for something that didn't happen? Have you prayed for something and felt left down, left down, let down? Have you ever been afraid to hope for something because you were afraid that the letdown would be too much? And after enough letdowns, it's even harder to hope in the first place. So let's just be real and say that hope is hard. Hope is hard work. Some time ago, I heard an interview, I think it was a podcast, and I think it was the Bible for Normal People, uh, and the woman's name was Emile Towns. She was uh, dean of Divinity School at Vanderbilt U, and she was on, I think, to talk about something like uh, womanist ethics, which I'm not sure what that even is. But 
it was fantastic to listen to because she was such a, a beautiful soul that even though that's what she was on to talk about, and I think maybe they touched on it briefly, but I think that she had such a mothering quality that these two hosts of the show who are very scholarly, you could sense this transformation in the conversation from being about the scholarly work that she was doing to being like, man, why are you so full of hope? And they could just sense it in her. And these guys never talk about this kind of thing. And so this conversation, through the conversation, she started talking about why, even though things were so bad, and particularly she was talking about healthcare for black people, and she said, but I want to tell you that I still have hope. And, and so like they kept coming, but she tried to move on from that. And, and finally, Pete Enzo was like, I just want to get back to this hope thing because it's so intriguing to me. And he said, I want to know how you find hope. And here's what she said. She's a dean of a university, right? So she said, you know, every new academic year when we welcome the entering class, I just well up with hope. The possibilities they present give me hope. Hope for me also comes just about every time I see a baby. And, and you see these two scholarly guys in this, in this podcast, and they're just, they're just like, wow. Wow. Like, you're intentionally looking for hope where it might possibly exist. Hope can be found when we intentionally seek it out. Now, rejoice in suffering. I'm not ready for this, Paul. I'm not ready. I don't think anybody will ever be ready for this, but it's so closely related to what James says, right? In James chapter one, where he says, consider it all a joy. Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whatever you experience, various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Consider it a great joy. We rejoice in our suffering. I, I don't think that there is a person alive who we would expect to suffer. I mean, expect to rejoice in suffering or count it all a joy. It sounds so easy to say, but great joy but the point here isn't that you throw a party. The point here is that those trials are not in vain. Those sufferings are making something. They're making something good in you. <clears throat> it's also very trite to say. But I also remember when C.S. Lewis wrote these words after watching his beloved uh, die of cancer. God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our conscience, but he shouts in our pain. It's his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Nobody's going to rejoice when we lose a loved one. We all know that. No one expects that. But through the process of grief, 
waves and waves of grief. Grief that might last years or a lifetime. That kind of grief leaves us all different. It leaves every one of us a little bit different. Our character is changed, proven from what Paul says. And there, in that transformation, we find hope. And not just regular old disappointing hope, but the kind you can cling to through the next affliction. An old friend of mine, uh, I was thinking about this last night, an old friend of mine, when something good had happened in my life, and I don't remember even what the good thing was, this is how bad I am at memorizing anything. I think I had gotten a promotion at work, and I was like celebrating, things were good, and came with a nice raise, and I remember he just told me, he's like, hey, build an altar. And I was like, like with rocks? (laughs) And he was like, no, 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 like, etch this memory into your mind because you're going to need it. When you're facing a trial, you come back to that memory and you remember that God was blessing, God is real, God's doing something in your life and all that stuff, right? And I remember my my friend, uh, he texted me, he was was in Tanzania like three days ago, he sent me some pictures of the people he was staying with and the joy. And, the, and I told him, Jamie, build an altar. Because when something hard comes your way, you're going to want to remember what God was doing in you that day. That's, I think, what Paul is talking about here. We have gone through trials. We have suffered We are suffering now. And we have to stand back and remember in the in the face of it all. Cling to hope because God is still good. God is still love. And He's doing something even in our suffering. Today's world needs to hope said Pope Francis that same day. The marginalized weep, those left aside weep, the scorned weep. But those of us who lead a life more or less without needs, we don't know how to weep. And then he said, this quote, right? Certain realities of life are only seen with eyes cleansed by tears. I can't remember who it was, I kind of think it was Greg Laurie in the times after he lost his son where he said, if you're going to learn to live like Jesus, you're going to have to learn how to weep. There are no easy answers in the Bible when it comes to situations like this. There are no simple platitudes. Jesus didn't come and explain suffering but he did come and experience it. He wept with us. He wept for us. And he suffered the same. And in some mysterious way, 
We get lit in, we get lit in on it. There's some kind of mystery to the suffering that connects us together to humanity. And yet, because of the cross, it also connects us to Jesus. What if, what if the cross is God's way of joining us in our suffering? That's real love. So I'm going to wrap this up. Friends, as we grieve with Sam McCreen and the Scotty family, we weep with them. We extend our love and condolences, but we also need to honor their suffering in their process, and maybe just sit with them in silence and tears and in hope, clinging on with all we've got. One last scripture from 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Father, we lift up the Scotties. We thank you for this time. We ask that in any way that they can be encouraged, that you would be the God of all comfort to them right now. And our broader church family, as we suffer with them, teach us how. How to weep like Jesus. And how to see these certain realities in life through tear-stained eyes so that we can be more like Jesus. We ask in his name. Amen. I don't have any... Sam Scotty, words of wisdom today. But I hope that uh, you'll stick around for a little bit. We can pray together and um, and talk some. God bless you guys. You've been listening to the official podcast of Genesis Community Church in Upland, California. If you've been encouraged, found hope, been challenged by what you've heard, we'd like to ask you to help spread the word by sharing our podcast with your friends and family. You can also help support our podcast by visiting us at thegenesisstory.com. It has been our pleasure to have you join us today, and we hope you'll tune in again next week.